I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. All right, NLCS, since Seawald's coming up. I know we already talked about the Diamondbacks and their slim chances. Um, On the other side, what are your thoughts on what the Phillies have decided to do? And Kratz, you can go first because you're our Philly dude. With Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot. Because we will definitely get after front offices and conventional wisdom, quote, conventional wisdom in the game nowadays for things that they do that go you know, against the grain, but actually become normal these days, like pulling pitchers early and, you know, overusing analytics, if you want to say that at times, right? And I don't want to be, get off my lawn show. And I think we tiptoe the line there, both sides. But I will say, tip my fake cap to the Phillies for not putting Trey Turner in the leadoff spot. When Trey is certainly capable of starting the game off with a dinger, and if he gets on base, he's an absolute pain in the ass. But they still opt to have Kyle Schwarber in that spot. And are you shaking your head, AJ? Or you're just saying, yeah, you're shaking your head? No, I'm saying what you're saying is right. What? That they made the right move or they didn't? Yeah, hell yeah. Right. So how many people would disagree with that if they don't see the results yet? Because right now in the playoffs – I'm like, whatever you're doing clearly is working and it's better than what everyone else is putting together. But Trey Turner is kind of a dream leadoff hitter and he's he's not hitting leadoff. Why, why is he a dream leadoff hitter? Why, like, in, in what, like... Easy. What? Easy. Easy? He, he gets on base. Okay. He's fast as hell. Okay. And you guys tell me if some pitchers get bothered by a dude that's going to end up behind them. Okay? And... He has pop in his bat too. Okay, all, so all things I like? agree with. But why is that? Why is that a leadoff hitter? Why? Why? Because one time a game, he's going to be the leadoff batter. Correct. And you know what's important? Getting an early lead. You know what's important? Giving abs to your best bats, right? Okay. And doesn't I mean you know it's the only inning you can guarantee 
who's going to start it, right? And who's not going to clog bases. And I'm not saying short or slow, because that's part of the conversation here too. But fastest dude on your team going first, if he also has the other tools that you're looking for, which is on base and pop, isn't that what you want? Yeah, but you just said get an early lead. Who for the Phillies got an early lead by himself every single successful at bat? Schwarber. Schwarber. Who's the, the MVP of the series? Schwarber. I'm not going, I'm not going against this, by the MVP. way. I'm just saying. I know. I know. It, it, it's I, something little that's important to think about because now it's just here, accepted, but I don't think it was initially. It's, it wasn't accepted initially. It was not accepted in game two when they lost. When they <laughs> lost. I'm telling you. Listening to Philly radio is 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 a good pulse of fan bases. It's a good pulse of sometimes, not sometimes, okay, always emotional fans. And they're like, okay, first of all, how do they bring in Hoffman in this situation? And then they discuss that, and they're like, okay, my last point. And three people called in. Their last point was, how is Kyle Schwarber the leadoff? And I just – I texted the guy that was on that I know – that's on there, and I go, please tell this person and the next person that calls in, how Schwarber hits leadoff one time. Even if you don't think, like, it does anything, Kyle Schwarber is, he is hitting leadoff one time, and clearly it worked out game one because he's now the MVP of the series. Hashtag AJ Pruszynski. But – to exemplify that point or to push that even farther, let's say he does walk because he's the three true outcome guy. Punch out, walk, homer. And they, the team's had success with it. He sets the tone. Okay, let's put all that aside. Let's say he walks. He has the most, he has the most successful first to thirds on the entire team. Extra base running on the entire team. And you know how many singles he has? He has less singles this year than he does home runs. So either he's not going to be on, he's going to be walking, or it's going to be a double or a homer. So he's out of the way of Trey. And to me, the, the biggest thing that fans need to understand, he's only leading off once. And when he's successful, one thing has to happen, and it's a dinger. When Trey's successful – it's not as many dingers. It's not as many dingers. So he has to have two things that have to happen. He has to steal the base, which he's been super successful. And somebody's got to hit him in. So now that's, you know, you got to build a lot more on that. So Schwarber in the leadoff has worked for them and will continue to work for them because they're going to continue to keep him in the leadoff spot. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. Schwarber at one point was struggling, or was that Rizzo? Or maybe it was both of them with the Cubs. And then they put him at leadoff. Wasn't that the first foray? That was Joe, that was Joe Biden's, or Joe Biden, sorry, Joe Madden's little trick that he always did. He did that with multiple dudes, right? He did it like with he, Rizzo. He did it with Schwarber. He did it with Baez. He did it with Brian. He, every time someone was struggling, he's like, oh, let's try this. We'll put him in the leadoff. But Schwarber's the one that always stuck. Yeah, and, and why like is it. that? Some dudes. I, but he just, takes a lot of walks. Okay, he does walk. He, he takes he a lot works. of pitches too. Yes, he works counts, and he. We talked about this. Was it last night or was it on the show yesterday? He makes it one nothing, and he puts fear in the pitcher. Listen, Trey Turner is a great player. 
But he, you're not worried the first pitch of the game like Zach Gallon was. It's one nothing. I thrown one pitch. I haven't even settled in, and it's one nothing because Schwarbaum just went deep and and his Ted running around the bases. You know, it's like. So, question for you, AJ, in the chat that just popped up. Mac O'Neill goes, AJ, if you were starting against the Phillies, how would you approach that game from a pitcher point of view? I mean, obviously, this can apply to both of you. How do you game plan to beat the Phillies? Whether it's going to be AZ, well. I mean, who, who was on the mound? I mean, that's that. I mean, let's present it for plan. game three since we're previewing. Fought. Brandon fought, okay? And he's actually been okay in these first couple starts for them. He, he is actually a guy who has a very high ceiling. Was supposed to be a big deal prospect, supposed to be, just, you know, wasn't good this year, but has a bright future for them and has been okay in the postseason so far. What's your what's your game plan with Brandon Fott on how to beat them? You're saying you have to tailor it to the strengths of your pitcher. 100%. But he's got to pitch up. He's got he's to be up here. Cheap. I mean, not up here. I, I mean, here. It's, it's, I mean, but if I put it where it's supposed oh, to be, way. you're not going to. You're not going to see where, it. Where, where has he got to be? Got to be like right where see this cat. It's got to be like right about the cat, right? Okay. But he's got to get him to swing at it, which is the hard part because the Phillies are a bit more disciplined than you believe, and, and he's just got to he's got to attack. The one thing I've noticed about guys that beat these teams is you got to attack, but you have to attack smartly, which means not in the in the middle of the strike zone. Zach Gallon attacked them. Problem was the first pitch he threw belt high right down the middle at 92, and Kyle Schwarber's like, "Yeah, thank you, one nothing." Okay. That you have to attack, but you have to attack the edges, and you have to get them to chase. And the Phillies have done a great job this entire postseason of getting them in the strike zone, narrowing down their lanes, narrowing down whatever they're looking for. But can you get them to expand, and can you pitch enough on the edges to get them to take bad swings because they haven't taken a lot of bad swings? You got to move. If I'm the Diamondbacks, I got to move somebody's feet early in the game. They look super comfortable in the box, and that sends a – a little bit of trepidation lower in the order that, oh, well, this guy has late life at the top of the zone. I can lean out over and I'm looking for something that I can get my arms extended on. But now of a sudden he backs Schwarber off the plate. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, get too far into Trey just because he might stick that elbow out there and take the, take the, take the hit by pitch. And then now of a sudden it's runner on second because he can, steal with uber efficiency but you got to move somebody if i'm the diamondbacks and i know brent strom's talking about it i know tory lovello's talking about it here on this off day you got to move somebody just change their just change their feet keep them from leaning out some pitchers do that well some pitchers don't really pitch inside to ask a rookie tough to ask a rookie Mm -hmm. when you say tough to ask a rookie is that because He's concerned he's going to hit a vet, and then it's going to cause a hole to do. I just think you need to be fully convicted in a pitch. You got to you got to know the guy, and I should and I shouldn't have said I shouldn't have said it's tough to ask a rookie because we heard a lot about Bobby Miller. Seems yeah. like he'd be a guy that you're asking for, you're asking to do that. You have to do it to change things up. Be able to be able to open up the area of the strike zone. That you want, not just throw up and in so that you can throw down and away. Yes, that's the prototypical. But when I'm looking at a heat map, that might not be a strength to be able to throw down and away. So I don't need to open that up, but I need to open up guys from cheating to get to my high spin rate fastball that Fott has. Whatever it is, it sets different stuff up, but you got to know that person. You can't just go. There were some guys, true story, big league pitchers, 
One big league pitcher I know had below a three ERA as a starter in the big leagues one year. He could not throw inside, and not because he couldn't execute it, because he didn't have conviction of executing it through that lane, and it always leaked out over, and it became bombs everywhere on those pitches. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So let's keep this combo going. Obviously, we're previewing the next game in this series. Let's bring in a dude who is involved. Paul Seawald of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our friend, joining us right now. What a ride it's been so far. Paul, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I think you uh, you guys must have been a part of some of our pitchers meetings that we've had the last couple of days that haven't gone as well <laughs> as we'd hope. And um, you're exactly right. Every every bit of that is something that we're going to have to do better when we're here at home if we're uh, if we're going to get the chance to go back to Philly. So who sets you're... that? Who sets that tone? Sorry, Scott. Who no, sets good. that tone? Is it is it Fott? Is it Gallon? Is it Brent Strom going? Fott, you got to throw this, you know, or is it you guys in the bullpen like? Dude, fought. If you guys, if you don't come out here and throw these, we have no shot when we come in the game because you haven't established anything inner half. Yeah, I think you guys as catchers know that it starts with the very first pitch. Um, and we did not do as well of a job as we could have in Philly. So now it is going to be Brandon's responsibility. And um, you're exactly right. Asking a rookie to do that is a tough task, but I think I think he's up to the task. I think he's gonna be ready to rock and roll. I think um you know, his last start was a scoreless start against the Dodgers fighting for their life, which was which was very impressive. And um, this time it's going to be us that's fighting for their life. And and uh, we're just going to need the same effort out of him. And, and all of us feel really good about him, about our chances with him out there. Paul, first of all, let me say you're a freaking beast, dude, for coming on today. Uh, I know you guys got in it. <laughs> I don't know what time, but listen, you're down to uh, listen. I, I, I mean, listen, much love, much respect for the fact that you're here because a lot of guys would have been like, oh, we're down 2-0. We got in at 4 a.m., whatever it was. So much love for you before I before we get into too deep here in the, in the into the weeds and into the series. So thank you. Uh, Why, you know, with I Fott, it. W- listen, with Fott, you know, we talked about like his high spin rate fastball. He's got a pitch. Tom Kelly, who I played for with the Twins forever, was always a big proponent of like you can't ask a rookie to do things that 
he can't do, which is like throw at guys and, you know, not that ever, any manager ever ordered a guy to get hit. Right. <laughs> so I know we're kind of, and I don't want to say he's going to throw at anybody, but does Brent Strom, does Tory go to him and say, listen, forget, you're not, not throw at a guy, but like the, you know, the first hitter of the game, you need to announce your presence. Right. And just like up, up, right. To, to, to Schwarber into Schwarber, you know, and then, and then you just carry that over. Cause for me, Fott has to be ultra aggressive in this game, but he has to be aggressive, not in the middle of the strike zone. Right. No, that's exactly it. That's, that's the key is we can't throw pitches over the plate because they're starting to get whacked because those guys are confident, but we have to, we really have to get them off of the plate and we have to get on those edges. But you know, he has that great sinker that really starts to run in on righties, which I think could be really effective of getting, you know, two thirds of their lineup really off of the plate with that stuff that kind of looks like it's in the corner and then it's really off, makes those guys kind of jump out of the way. Um, and he's really going to have to throw that, that four seam up at the top inside to Schwab, to Bryce, uh, Bryce and Brandon, those guys, and, and really start to get those guys away from the diving out. Cause um, you know, obviously Schwarber's homer on the changeup yesterday. That's just, that's just a, you know, he was not intimidated that we were going to come inside and cause that was a pretty good pitch by Merrill. And it just, you know, it just hasn't really worked out our way so far. And, and, you know, these guys are rolling and they're feeling confident. So the, what we're going to have to do is get them uncomfortable. And, and you're exactly right. And we're not throwing at anybody. This is a postseason series. There's none of that. We're not trying to send a message for later in the series, but we are going to have to figure out a way to get them uncomfortable in the batter's box. And the best way is to kind of have pitches that are kind of moving some feet, um, running inside hard. And just, if we just have to figure out a way to get in there, you know, get in there through the first time through the lineup just to try and give us a chance. Because obviously, you know, it's not a must win, but it is a must win. But we we also need to get something fixed if we're going to win four games out of the next five. Yeah, I want to reiterate that. Nobody is saying that the Diamondbacks are throwing at any Phillies. Don't over, don't over, like, don't read more into this. It is a Kratz mindset. Said it. Kratz said it. It's, it's a mindset of players talking to players about how they have success and – Paul, it's freaking awesome that you're just being super there's, honest about there's this. There's a lot thing. of there's a lot of room between the edges of the plate and where a hitter yes. stands. And that's where we're trying to throw the ball. We are not trying to throw a ball halfway into the left-handed batter's box or the right-handed batter's box at all. That's not what we're trying to do. But there, like we said, there's room between the edge of the plate and the chalk line that we need to really establish if we're gonna if we're gonna win the four out of the next five. All right, so analytic people will say, okay, the Diamondbacks are down 0-2. And they'll say, how on earth are the Diamondbacks' two best pitchers not have thrown in the series yet, and they've lost, and they've been down 2? They say, and the argument is, well, the game didn't dictate that they should be in there. How do you feel about that? Because you are one, you and Ginkle are the two guys that are the go-to, and are you sitting there in agreement, like, Hey, if we're going to go down in this game, I got to be in this spot. Yeah. You know, um, we all have a lot of faith in Tori and whatever Mike and the analytics team and everyone that's game planning for these games is going through. I know there's a lot of stress. It's a, it's a lot easier to manage a game from Twitter or the bullpen, um, <laughs> especially in, in hindsight. You know, it's just one of those things. It's like we're going to need – me, Thompson, Ginkle, the throw in order to win this series. And if you get too many looks at us in the same series, then it hurts you later. So it's just trying to find a balance of when can we get our best pitchers in there to give us a chance. You know, game one felt like 
we were chasing the whole time. I didn't think that was really a, an opportunity for any of us to throw. And I think, I think we managed our bullpen perfectly and, you know, to put up zeros and it wasn't a big deal yesterday kind of took a turn for the worse. And so then it really looks like, man, we could have tried to, you know, keep it at two, nothing, but you know, in their defense, we didn't get a guy past second base. So it's going to be hard to come back whether, you know, Ryan Gink and I threw the six, seven, eighth for no reason or, or, or not. And it just, um, they have a game plan and, and we're sticking to it and we're not going to deviate from what we've done to get us here to this point. And, and I appreciate that because so many teams will, will completely take a turn and do things completely the opposite in the postseason. And sometimes it comes back to cost you. So, um, you know, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like, Hey, if you would have just stuck to the game plan that, you know, won us 84 games and won us two series in a row, we would have been just fine. So it's just, it's a really hard balance. And obviously anybody can, can overmanage in, uh, on the four hour and a half flight, four and a half hour flight home. It's, it's just one of those things that maybe it would have made a difference. Maybe it doesn't. And now everyone got to see the three of us and, you know, maybe we don't pitch well too. And it, the same thing could have happened to us. And, you know, then we'd be like, Oh, now you wasted your, your three best relievers and, and still lost 10 to nothing. Hey, Paul, you, you brought it up, the flight. What was the flight like last night? Was there a lot of sleeping? Was there a lot of, was there a lot of talking? Was there a lot of commiserating? And is there a guy, like, was it Longo? Is there a guy that stands up and gets on the mic and says, hey, boys, this shit ain't over. Let's go. No, so you know what? It was a full family flight, so everyone has their – we took an extra big plane to make sure everyone had their families and stuff. And so, you know, at that point, you're just trying to make sure that we just get home and there's nothing we can do about – the fact that we're down 2-0 last night or even today, we just have to get back to work. And, and you know, we're excited that we're going to be in front of our fans and we're going to get this thing going. But I, I do think when we get there on, on Thursday, everyone's going to have a lot of pep in their step and we're going to be excited that we're not at CBP. And um, we've done the best when we've had our backs against the wall and our backs are ab absolutely up against the wall at this point. So we might as well just go out there and do our thing. And um, I think we got punched in the mouth by the Phillies and we needed to do that to them in order to calm down those crazy fans, but it'll be, it'll be good for us to get in front of ours and maybe we can get some momentum and, you know, you guys know all you have to do is win one game and then you really start to feel confident that you could win the series. And so it's, it's important that we get out to a good start tomorrow. And I think if we do that, we could really start to play downhill ourselves. What'd you think of CBP? What'd you think of Citizens Bank Park, the bedlam? Yeah, no, it was loud. It was loud and they were off. They were, they were on their feet the whole time. I, you know, they also hit two homers in the first uh, on Monday, and then they hit a homer in inning one and then inning three last night. It, you know, the fans are excited because they keep hitting homers and getting them excited, especially <laughs> after the introductions and the whole thing. That that was the worst thing that could have happened to us was was getting down early. And, and you know, obviously Zach and Merrill are doing the absolute best that they can. It just, it just didn't work out for us while we're there. But I think um, – when you get the crowd going like that and then they get those, those big leads early, that's, you know, they're just, they're going to be extra loud and, and Philly fans are extra loud. And, you know, it was quite the environment. It was unlike anything I had seen. You know, I've played in, I think this is my fifth playoff series, but that was the first time I'd ever had a playoff game where nobody sat down for nine innings regardless. So um, if we get the opportunity to go back there, we're going to have to take the lead early and try and, and try and put them on the defensive or, or we're going to have a tough time again. Who was more annoying? And when I say that, like I watch teams, some teams you play against and you're like, God, I can't stand that team. Like those team, that team. So were the Phillies, the players more annoying or the Phillies fans? Um, Man, I, I guess I would say the Schwarber hitting homers 
or those guys hitting homers in the first inning was probably more annoying than the fans. I think I could have taken the fans if we were winning five to nothing. Um, you know, the fans are just rowdy and they're cheering on their team. And unfortunately, they had a lot to cheer about for those two games. And, and they've had a lot to cheer about at home over the last few years. So um, they just feel really good in that ballpark. And, and they played confident. And um, just a message that I, I just – they've just looked very focused and very motivated. You can just see, you know – it's unlike anything I've ever seen a team that just feels like they look like they're on a mission and um, they played like it the first two games this series. And we're, we're going to have, to, we're going to have our hands full to try and win two before, uh, before we get a chance to go back there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is there anything that you think other ballparks can do to create what Philly has? I'm not saying they're the only fan base that is crazy, but I don't know, like just ideas in general. Like if I was working, I'm always trying to think like business wise and competitive edge wise, you know, I'm meeting with my team. If I'm like president of the team, Hey, how, how can we do that? How can we try and create any kind of home field advantage? Can we make this place louder? Can we encourage people to stand more if they're able to, you know, I don't know, just throwing stuff yeah. out there. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, uh, it was funny in game one at Dodger stadium, you know, everyone knows that that stereo system out in center field is pretty loud and it was loud for game one. Uh, but you definitely heard it louder in game two where they felt like, okay, like we got taken advantage of in game one. We have to really make this place loud. And, and I'll say in game three at our place, it was absolutely rocking. Our fans were, I, I really need to compliment our fans. I was, I was a little bit nervous that we were going to have some Dodger blue in the stands for that game. And, and it wasn't going to feel like a home game, but that's the opposite of what it felt. And a lot of credit to them. They were they were rowdy. And it was the same thing. We got that big 4-0 lead with the homers, and they just kept it the entire game. And even when the Dodgers stopped back, it just felt like our crowd was not going to let them get anything more. And, you know, I could barely hear my my pitch calm in the ninth inning. I had to keep my, keep my glove over it, which is which is a credit to how loud our fans were. So um, they, they put the decibels up on ours, too, and it's just – you know, it's just, it's way different. It's a June 15th game is just not going to be the same as an October 15th game. And there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, I know our fans were very rowdy uh, against the Dodgers. And I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to be extra rowdy this week because we're going to need them. So this is the petty stuff, but it's still fun. And it's been awesome, dude. Like when you guys clinched, I watched, I was doing work and it was late and I had it on. I watched like an hour and a half of the post game show. They covered every single cannonball into the pool it was fun you know it's something that yeah. you guys have that no one else has like I, and, and right. it's cool like we we talk to you all year i get to see you interacting with the guys like even in the pool like oh here comes so and so or like we're waiting for some coach that's like you know trucking through the outfield and got to get him through the the side gate the whole thing so i bring that up because now we get to arizona you're going to try to obviously take this series back to philadelphia do you think that the Phillies would try to jump in the pool if they win. And our dudes, I don't remember if it was AJ or Kratz said that when they were there at one point, they remember what was it after the, the Dodgers situation years back? And they said, do not jump in the pool. Like mm -hmm. you're a visitor. That is not your spot. Yeah. That was me. So <laughs> I believe that. So well, our president Derek Hall said that if the Dodgers, he said before our series, now if the Dodgers, the pool will be open for whoever wins. Um, 
And the Dodgers, if the Dodgers win, then there's nobody protecting the pool. Luckily, we were the ones that won. My guess is that it would be open again. And if the Phillies are lucky enough to clinch against us, then that's our that's our problem. And and if they want to jump in the pool, they can jump in the pool. I just think it's it's something unique. It's something different. Um, you know, those guys have popped champagne a lot lately, but um, it's something very cool that has become so popular at our place. And and we've gotten to do it twice this off or this postseason. And um, you know, it's just a very different environment than most people just going inside. You just go inside and you pop champagne and you celebrate with your guys. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But the fans, the fans were out there and there's just hundreds of thousands or thousands of fans that are out there still cheering. And it's just great to celebrate in front of them and just show them like how appreciative we are of them and, and how great and how, you know, just how elated we are that we get to, we get to pop champagne and celebrate. It, it doesn't get old no matter what. And um, it's a very unique thing to our stadium and, we are going to do everything we can to make sure that the Phillies don't get that get that opportunity to do that. The pool is dangerous, though. Did anybody hit the like? Because they have that little like <laughs> no. seat right there that you can sit. Did anybody catch that when you guys were jumping in? Our three MCs jumped in together, and I don't think the one really realized that the the like handle to cut like walk down to the pool came out quite as far, and she kind of jumped into it and kind of like. I was like, oh, I didn't. And I was like, oh, this is getting ugly. But um, luckily, all the players and the coaches were just as safe as they could be. Can we guys jump in, AJ? I was just saying, like, if you guys were uh, the opposition, would would you? No, I was told. We were told in fourteen not to do it. We were listen. (laughs) They told us because okay, so it was a weird situation. We clinched the division the last day, but we were ready to go. We had Wainwright warming up. I was with the Cardinals. Yep. But the Reds beat the Pirates or vice versa. Johnny Cueto beat the Pirates. So, therefore, we clinched the division before. Wayno was in full warm-up mode, and they're like, hey, we're, we got it, guys. Don't worry about it. Wayno shut it down. That's why they now play all the games at 3 o'clock, right? But as soon as that happened, the everybody from the Cardinals is like, guys, don't jump in the fucking pool. Do not jump in the fucking pool. After the game, we'll celebrate. You're not allowed in the pool. Stay out of the fucking pool. And we stayed out of the pool, but I would have been awesome. I should have just broke the rules because I'm never going to get another chance to jump in the pool. So <laughs> I should have just done it. Hey, like I said, if the Phillies clinch against us, then that is their right that they get to do that if they so choose, in my opinion. Now, that's that's above my pay grade, and I'm not in charge of who, who makes that decision. But, um, you know, that we would be celebrating if we got that opportunity. So if, uh, if we are unfortunate enough to lose two of the three of the games that we're here, then um, – so be it. Hey, I, I got one that I know you. I can get a good opinion from you on. Curious for your take here. Um, Orlando Arcia said some words. Add a boy. Good, clean, fun, right? And I mean, sure, that turned into Bryce kind of making it an entertainment thing and staring him down and all of that. I, I thought it was awesome. It was fun. The the part to me that got interesting, and we got into it with both sides with with our former player hosts with current players, with former players, with media members is like, what's cool and not, how does it work? Because it's the playoff. There's a billion people in the clubhouse. It wasn't anything offensive. And even if that is the case, I mean, if there was a fight in the clubhouse, like, and, and reporters, there were 50 reporters in there. They're not going to go, don't tell anyone we're not allowed. So I mean, you've been around the league for a while. What was your take when you saw like the call out saying like, Oh, media, like that's trash that you're like taking words from players. Yeah, I, I, you know, 
I understand the Braves were frustrated with how that series went. And so, you know, they kind of, you know, were a little bit on the defensive, but the media has a, has a job and a responsibility. This is, it's just part of the game. And obviously media grows the game. This, this is why, you know, this is why you have so many players coming on this show is because we're trying to grow the game because you guys are great. It's the media has a responsibility to tell what's going on, you know, and, and if they're in the clubhouse, then you know that that's not your private sanctuary. Everyone knows that when the media is in there, that's a different time period. I don't talk, None of us talk the same when the media is in there that when right before the game when they're not in there. And you need to know that if, you know, there's a hundred people in the Braves clubhouse, then you know that what you say is is possibly going to get tweeted out. Now, it wasn't a big deal. It should have been a big deal. They just kind of turned it into a big deal instead of saying like, well, he made a base running error and ended the game. Like I just said that, like, I think the Braves turned it into a thing where the Phillies could use it as motivation. If they would have squashed it, I don't really think it would have been that big of a deal. And that's in my opinion now, you know, I wasn't in that clubhouse and I don't know exactly how they felt or, you know, I'm trying not to get Bryce all riled up. He's already pretty good. I'm, I, I probably wouldn't have taken a shot at him no matter what. Um, we don't need him to be extra motivated, but I just think they kind of turned it into a bigger deal than it should have been. It just, just really it, like Jake tweeted it out and that that's the end of that. Like, okay, then you just say like, I said it cause he made a base running error and that's the end of that. But um, once they, once they turned it into a thing and then it, you know, then we have people taking shots at people. It just really got a little bit ugly. And then it turned into a huge story instead of like, I just said he made a base running error when he did. I agree, Paul. Just, Hey, say it with your chest. If you're RC, it'd be like, yeah, I said it. He screwed up. What's oh, a big deal. Yeah. Like, I'm like, sure if I would have done the same thing, they would have been like that a boy RC. Like it happens all the time. Absolutely. Hey, you've been in a clubhouse before I've. I've talked trash about a player making a mistake in the game. Like, whoa, we won a game because of that guy. That's true. Like, I mean, and I, people have probably said it like, thank goodness Paul didn't have his stuff today and we walked him off. Like, that, that's just part of the game. Like, if, you, if you're going to say it with 100 media people in there, like, you've got to think somebody's going to say it. And if you, if, if you don't want that other person to hear it, then you probably shouldn't say it at all. Like, there's plenty of opportunities with you and just the guys to say whatever you want to say. And that, that wasn't the moment. And, and you know, I'm disappointed that they really took offense to it because I didn't think that the media did anything wrong. In I didn't really think it was a story until they made it a story. Spot on. And there's just no reason to like pit sides against each other in a story like that. I, spot on. And our guys were vocal about it, you know? Yeah. Like we're working together. That's what this show does. This show is with players, for the players. Like we're all working together in, in trying to tell our story. Like you just have to, you try to, I understand sometimes you don't want to do a media appearance when you're not doing well, but like, it's kind of like you can use each other to really build your team's brand, your personal brand and, and just baseball in general. And to like be players versus media at that time was, was a bad look. And, and it's really tough in the playoffs to be players versus media. There's going to be more media there. I got two more quick ones for you. One is fun. Um, what's the sleep schedule like when you do have a situation like this? Like you get in super late, like do you try and like do the nap, then have your day, then go to sleep early? You know, what's the key here for you? No, so we have we have a workout kind of in the afternoon today that I'll go. So I we are so fortunate to have an absolute village to help with our family. So we didn't bring our daughter to Philly because just the timing and obviously getting home at 4.30 last night, it probably was a good idea not to bring her. Um, but she's uh, she's so much fun. She's having fun with with my aunt right now, and so they made a little bit of noise in the morning. And my wife and I woke up like, oh, that's earlier than we thought we were gonna wake up. But um, getting to wake up to my daughter was a good way to uh, to get right back on on Pacific time. And uh, we're gonna go to the field and do the workout. And and you know we have a two o'clock game tomorrow, so 
you know, kudos to whoever decided that we're going to play at eight o'clock Eastern and then two o'clock as soon as we get home. Um, who makes that schedule? So that was fantastic. AJ, so, um, you're welcome, Fox. You're welcome. From, oh wait, no, you're on Turner. Never mind. Yeah, we're on, we're on TV. So, but it's uh, so we're gonna hurry. We're gonna hurry to uh, get to work out. We'll have easy dinner. We're trying to get trying to get settled, and and then we'll just go to bed early and, and be ready for the day game tomorrow. Cool, love that. And then last one, and this might be an answer for the off season, but apparently you have a thing with Tori Lavello that you you guys say to each other. Someone asked him, like, oh, what does Seawald say? And he was like, oh, we have a thing. And then I think it was from the postgame show, and I was like, follow up, but I think they moved on or something like that. So is it something so fun? I don't, no, I think it is fun. So, you know, when I got here, we lost nine straight games. I was starting to contemplate what the heck happened from <laughs> during this trade. And, um, you know, San Diego blasted us again right after we got swept by the Dodgers. And it was just like – and Tori's not this person to have meeting. Tori's not a meeting person and he's just calm, cool, laid back Southern California guy. And he called in a meeting and, um, you know, he was like, I'm tired of us. And I think this has already come out. So I don't know why you thought it was bad, but he said, I'm tired of us being the JV team to the NL West. I said, you guys need to step it up and you need to start playing the way you're supposed to be playing. And it, it was a good message to kind of like, all right, like Skip's very laid back, but he knows that this is a pivotal time that we really like our focus levels need to be higher and we need to get it get it together and um you know after the game and and you know just to beat to beat the Dodgers I think was huge for us mentally and and just as an organization I just kind of joked with them I said not bad for the JV team of the NL West and um you know it was it, you know I don't think any of us really thought that message during during the series but it just I don't know why it came to me right in that moment I just felt like I felt like that was a moment that really turned our season around and and for us to celebrate against against a team that's you know given it to us pretty good the last few years and has dominated our, our division. And, and it was just important for us to really put our foot down. Paul, last one, at least for me, I don't know if these guys will probably come in with some. No, we're good. Last one. Let him go. Okay. <clears throat> How on earth, and I'm so proud of you not to say this, but you guys got so much rest, right? Before the NLCS. Is that why you guys are down? Oh, two. Cause you guys got too much rest. And you can't, uh, can't handle just... it. Oh man. I, now I do. I mean, I, I want to give the Dodgers, the Orioles, the Braves a little bit of credit. Like, I don't know what – I don't really know what the right answer is. It obviously hasn't worked out the way that we really wanted. But there's no there's no losing playoff games now. There's just too much money. It's taken forever to get to two to four to five, now to six. Like, we're not going to go back down. I really don't know what the answer is. I talked to a couple people um, when we got to Philly, and I said, well, you know, what were the Braves – doing to stay ready and they played multiple um inter-squad games they brought in extra guys you know they played at the right times so i kind of was like all right that seems to me like you did everything you could to try and stay ready i don't really i don't really know i know i know that's going to be rob's that's probably rob's biggest complaint and biggest problem right now is trying to figure out how to create the advantage for the teams that win their division and finish the first two and and I do think I do think there's something to it, but I don't really. I, it's above my pay grade. I haven't come up with a single idea that makes it better. Now, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse for the Braves. It's not an excuse for the Dodgers. It's not an excuse for an Orioles because the Astros did just fine, and um, they did just fine last year, rolling through rolling through the playoffs. So um, we didn't use it as an excuse. The Phillies sure looked you know, like they were ready. So um, no, we you, we had an inter squad game. We did everything we could to make sure we were ready. We just didn't play the way we had hoped and. Um, yeah, I, it's tough. I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do, but I do think we have to try and come up with something different. I, 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 
I feel bad that you can win 100 games and then feel like you're ice cold going into the postseason. That's not exactly how it's supposed to go, but um, that's why you play the games. You know, it's it's not the we won the most games in the regular season award. It's it's the postseason. It's the World Series, and and that's just the way it works. Okay, I have the solution for you. Here it is, but you have to choose. Throw it at me. All right. Next year, Diamondbacks win 102 games. You're the number one seed. You get to choose. Do you want to play in the wild card game, or do you want to take the days off? We want to take the days off every time. Okay, then. Yep. Tell everybody else to zip it. <laughs> uh, you can line up your pitching. Like, there's a huge advantage to getting that break. It, you know, they get. I know it didn't work out the way baseball really hoped this time, but there is a gigantic uh, advantage to making sure that you can line your guys up. So um, we had to go into game one of the wild card series with fodder instead of our one and two, because we had to battle in and then it worked out well that we could throw Merrill in game one. Like we really had to work into that system where we could get our guys lined up. But yep. um, yeah, we would, we would choose to uh, be the one or the two seed if we had that, if we had that option every time. And I, I can't imagine a single team who would want to play more games um, in a difficult environment. <laughs> that, 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 that sounds crazy. I can't imagine that would happen. Imagine if there's one, you know, one team that's like, no, Kratz, like, we want more competition. We will be the ultimate champion this year. Like, that's no, how, said, that's how next, you get smoked in the wild card series right away. Exactly. You, you no, did that and you get absolutely some teams, smoked. Some teams, so they don't need extra rest, we said last night, are going to lose on purpose at the end. So they lose the division. Yeah. If they have, like, if, like the Braves, like, they get right to the magic number is one to clinch the division, and then they'll just lose every game. So they let the Phillies pass them, and then they're the wild card team. That would be uh, quite the choice. That would be quite the choice. That, that would be that would be bold. And I would I would be. You can ask the Mets how they felt about not having that break last year, and then they lost in the wild card series, even though they led for 185 days. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, every single person will choose the buy and getting to play your first two games at home with your one and your two every time. So, um, yeah, it it didn't work out. Hopefully, you know, hopefully we can figure out a better solution or. or you know, maybe people just need to do a little bit. Maybe you just need to tweak how you how you respond those four days, and um, we'll see we'll see how it goes from there. Yeah, my only thing was just because you haven't maybe seen it was I'm like just give me one day sooner. So um, wild card plays Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursday if there's a game three, and you you play on Friday. You travel, you hit the next city. It's also for business purposes because we didn't have any games on a Friday, which is a prime time for games. There's no football on the weekend. It just felt weird. It was like we never had a game schedule for Friday. The playoffs just started. People are dying for playoff baseball. I just didn't like that. Yeah, I I think that's fine. I think if you're in the wild card series and you have to go to three games, like you shouldn't get an extra day to try and line your guys up. If you have to go three games and you battle, then that that feels fine for me that like, hey, you have to throw – your four starter, you have to throw a bullpen the first day. Like that's that seems fair that fr- that the playoffs could start Friday instead of instead of Saturday. Now, you know it wasn't great having like Saturday. I mean, it worked out really well for us, but Saturday game, Sunday off, Monday game, Tuesday off. I mean, it felt like we didn't really play any games against the Dodgers, and it took a week. That was that was a little bit different too, especially after the sweep against Milwaukee. So um, maybe a little bit of tweaking, maybe a little bit of extra help there. We could try and figure it out. I think um, you know, as we know. If we could ever get to 32 teams, if we can make it geographic, this would be really easy. You wouldn't have to worry about travel. You can just say like, hey, you got to play tomorrow because you know you're going to have a short flight. But um, yeah, for now, maybe you're right. Maybe Friday games is when the uh, when the NLDS starts or the ALDS starts. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good start. At least it's one day closer. 
Yeah, oh, and we'll get into East West and all that. We'll we'll have some good off season combos. I'm sure we'll piss some people off, but I'm all I'm all for that too. So, Paul, go do that your thing, dude. Yes, exactly. Go do your thing. Go get them. Have fun. Appreciate we'll be it. watching. Go crush it, and uh, we'll talk to you afterward. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Same here, dude. Love having Paul Sewell with us. Uh, great closer of the Arizona Diamondbacks. We've also talked about the bullpen, which we got into a little bit with him, but in general not just having a guy to close out games now, but to be able to you know, bump the high leverage rolls down a notch and extend the bullpen has been a huge, huge game changer for the Diamondbacks, which we'll talk to him more in the offseason about it, but, but that was freaking awesome. Great to have someone on like that. Obviously, Paul is one of the best interviews in the sport too, period. I've mentioned earlier, there's like I've done a good amount of like, um, article and podcast interviews lately. Some of them will come out soon. And, you know, th- sometimes they're asking me like, you know, who are the guys that, that you guys interview that you feel like need to be on a show like this so people can hear from them and how interesting and smart and thoughtful or crazy. Like, you know, I'll bring up Raddy Telez is like this, this is what it's all about for me. So I love that. Just throwing that out there. Um, the one other thing I'll throw out there is, there is like a little bit like the past couple of days, just because I like to be real with everyone. Like there's a little bit more um, of troll action going on sometimes in the comments, um, you know, which, which happens. There's also some some people that are probably frustrated about their teams, but I'll just bring out. I won't even throw out the names, but and and most of the rest of the FT fans like stop. But they're like, oh, you bring it on players. Like, what if they're giving away strategy and also like, oh, you had Lance Lynn on and he didn't do well. Like that, like one person basically saying like, you know, don't don't bring on players in the playoffs. I'm like, is you, you, there's a clip from a few days ago that you should watch is the opposite. Because you think Lance Lynn talking to us for 15 minutes is why the start didn't do well. Guess what? We'll ask Lance that in a few weeks. He'll come on and he'll say, you're a fucking idiot to whoever said that. He will straight up say that. It'll be like, it has nothing to do with anything. Plus, I was mentioning, I'm like, Harper and plenty of dudes have been on a million shows over the last few days. How's that going for them? They're doing all right. They're doing okay? But I see. I mean, that's the thing. Wasn't Harper on McAfee the other day? I thought Harper was, wasn't he on McAfee the other day? Yes, uh, he was. And here's my question. Um, It's the same people that blame the, the, the broadcaster for saying, hey, there's no hitter watch. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure the dude on the mound heard that, you know? I'm sure the person on the mound saw the fucking tweet from a random person when that used to be a thing. Like, oh, you jinxed it. Like, if it's fun and it's funny, it's great. If you're actually being serious, you're a clown. So um, if both teams do interviews and show off how cool they are at a time when the whole baseball world is watching them, then one team's going to win and one team's going to lose, right? Usually, isn't that what happens? One team wins and one team loses? Isn't this their time to shine? Yeah. Isn't this time for the Diamondbacks guys to get their guys out there and show? Totally. Also, was there not was there not something called FT muscles throughout the year where um, dudes came on and things changed, and it it wasn't BS. Like, there's other shows that throw that out there sometimes, and it's fake because like they'll just pinpoint one dude out of ten. Like, we had a pretty strong track record where a guy Next would come on. Next year's locks. We need to have AJ's <laughs> locks. My locks. Scott's lock, whatever, whatever guest we have on, has to be a two-day lock post post appearance. Remember, you know, even some specific things that I feel like you guys can point out that other people can't. You're like, "Yo, Bregman, you're gonna steal a base?" 
And then didn't he steal a base like a day or two later? That day. That day. Yes. That Incredible. night. You That's know how many he ended up having on the season? Two, one, three. No, I'll just say one. It would have been better if it was one. That's good. I like that. So just throwing that out there. This is what we're trying to do. Real players helping players. Yep. Yep. We don't ever we have never once brought somebody on to be like, man, I hope we can hurt this guy's chances. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> In fact, the opposite. Like, hey, if you don't feel comfortable, it's okay. Like, we'll we'll have you on another time. People want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from every single one of these dudes. I want to hear from Alec Thomas again. I want to hear from all these guys. We had Jace on. Listen, think about Jace. Jace Peterson came on. He's not even on the roster. That's that. I mean, Paul Seawall just came on. They're down 0-2 in the series. He wasn't afraid. He's, he's been like, pretty yeah. good in the playoffs too. But still, but he's like, do you think it matters? It doesn't affect anything. You know, to these teams that are like, hey, we don't want to have our guys on because it distracts them. Bad, 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 bad for me. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work out if this show, this show, distracts you. Yeah. You're not doing a three-hour podcast. Not even that. You're not. You're not. It's not like we're we're asking you to, you know, give us the meaning of life. We're asking about, you know, why is your slider <laughs> so nasty and why are you hitting homers? <laughs> Either way, it might be might be helpful. Um, Max said, "What's your pick for tonight's game between the Rangers and Astros?" So we did our locks, but like I didn't pick the winner. And partially on purpose because I didn't feel comfortable on my lock. I had other things I liked better. But what do we think is going to happen in this one? Do you think the Astros grab a game? I, I do. I think I, I think this could be the game. Tonight. I think even if Max is pitching well, it's hard to see him going as long as the dudes in the first two games for the Rangers. Maybe this actually turns into a little bit more of a battle of the bullpens. Astros get out of the uh, home cooking that doesn't taste good for them for most of the year. So I could see it. I could see you know, like 5-4 or 6-4, 6-5, something like that, Strohs. What about you guys? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the Astros win. Score? Score, I feel like 5 – I'm going to say 5-4 Astros. I mean, I have I have the Astros. I really like that. I really like that uh, Javier coming on. And I think it's – I think it, it lines up for them to win this game. Okay. There you go. But I think – yeah, I think I think I was just looking at the over. I don't know. I feel like ten is going to be a lot, but I could see a six four. I could convince myself into a a seven five game. That's why I bought it down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I bought it down to five and a half. I I, I placed a bet because um, I and I that was the game I was traveling. I watched it on the plane. What was it? Oh, the two nothing game. Plays. I was like. Debating Rangers money line, and I was like, eh, maybe it's close. I'll go plus one and a half, and I'll take a, a short over. It was like, I think I took four and a half. Well, they they won two nothing, so I I lost that little parlay. Should have just went Rangers money line. So yeah, that works. No, I feel that. 